Frosted Leaf is Denver's most innovative dispensary. What I like about Frosted Leaf would probably be their knowledgeable bud tenders, their online kiosk, their online ordering, and then just pick up at the store. And then they're always getting new genetics as well, so that's always cool. Like Edgar mentioned, Frosted Leaf gives you no lines, no weight, and a self-paced direct shopping experience that allows a fast yet comfortable transaction without the awkwardness of a waiting room. Not only does Frosted Leaf have the hottest strains, but they also offer a rewards program that will help towards your purchases. I would recommend Frosted Leaf to a friend, and I would tell them to look forward to different strains and to knowledgeable help. Check out Frosted Leaf's three Denver locations and download their app today. Welcome in to the BSN Broncos podcast, a Tuesday edition here. Ryan Konigsberg and Zach Stevens getting back into a groove. It's like we never, it's like we never were apart, and uh, now we're, we're feeling it once again. Zach, I have to say this: I did not like. I knew Kyler Murray. Some people liked him. Some people didn't like him. I did not realize he was full on polarization. Like I wrote that story yesterday, and if you haven't read it, go check it out on bsndenver.com and. I'll tell you how to go check it out on bsndenver.com in a second if you can't do that. But there are two different responses that are coming to my story. One, you're 100% right. Kyler Murray is the best ever. We love you, Ryan. Congratulations <laughs> on writing this fantastic you're story. You're so handsome. <laughs> yeah. And you're an idiot. Kyler Murray is trash. If the Broncos draft him, I'll never watch another game in my life. Oh, wow. Those are the two possible responses. And Ryan, this may be the one thing in life that I've known that you haven't. I, uh, yeah, I'm not surprised by this at all. I mean, you, you get the people that say, look at the way he played at Oklahoma. That's absolutely transferring. Uh, you don't have to worry about size. Just look at Baker Mayfield. In fact, Baker Mayfield went to Oklahoma, Heisman quarterback, number one overall pick. He succeeded his first year. Kyler Murray is going to be no different. In fact, look at the electricity Kyler Murray brings. He's going to be Baker Mayfield on steroids out there without being suspended for being on steroids, of course. And then you get the other side who points at the same thing, size. It does matter. He's three inches shorter than Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield was already a concern. Now he's going to be even more of a concern. He's going to get ragdolled out there. And Ryan, I don't expect this to change at all. And in fact... I think this is how the NFL community views him. And I do think one month ago, and this is so similar to Baker Mayfield's rise, one month ago, I wasn't not on Kyler Murray's bandwagon. I was just trying to think of all of this in the terms of the NFL. And in terms of the NFL, uh, there was a report out there that a month ago, I think it was like four GMs viewed Kyler Murray as a first-round pick. No one else did. Now... It's nearly every GM views him as a first-round pick. Some are saying he's a top-10, top-five pick. That's exactly Baker Mayfield's rise last year. That's going to continue to happen as we get closer to the combine and, and closer to the draft. 
And I bet once once draft time comes around, every GM will say he's a first-round pick. And then it's probably going to be pretty polarizing in between there. Some are going to be very strong that he's no doubt the best quarterback in this draft, number one overall pick worthy. And I think there's others that are going to say, yeah, yeah, we'd probably pick him if he was there at 32. Yes, I'm going to answer what you're saying. But before I do that, I want to say, again, go check out my story on bsndenver.com. I, I spent oh, – I shouldn't say too much time – because I, I I was proud of how it turned out. I spent all of yesterday, the second we finished the podcast, I had lunch while watching Kyler Murray tape. I watched more <laughs> and more Kyler Murray tape all day, which is the really the second time I've tried to go through his tape. Um, I then did all the research I possibly could on small quarterbacks and, and guys who were considered high-level prospects that, that were small, not just, you know, random guys who, you know, the Vernon Adams of the world who went undrafted um, with small being one of his problems, but not certainly not the only problem for him. So I did all the research I possibly could on high level prospects who were undersized. And then I put pen to paper on this story and it ended up being very long. I actually ended up having to, to dwindle it down a little bit. Cause I was like, <laughs> I just, I, I over-researched this and you know, not everyone is as interested in Doug Flutie's uh, you know, rise and fall as I am. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to chop that down a little bit, but, uh, if you haven't read it and you're a BSN subscriber, go check it out. If you're not a BSN subscriber right now is when we need you to subscribe because yes. we are in the midst of a highly contested race with our, our peers and our colleagues at BSN Denver, uh, of course, covering the Avs, Nuggets and Rockies. Uh, and the winner of this gets a little bonus inside the company and the team that wins and gets the most subscriptions gets to give all those people who subscribed a free shirt. So what you do is you go to bsndenver.com, you go to the subscribe tab, you go on, click on the annual pass and you use the promo code Broncos to subscribe. That will get you a discount to $29.99 for a full year subscription. And again, like I said, when we win this, we are going to be able to ship all of you guys uh, a bsndenver.com t-shirt of your choice. And if you haven't been to bsndenverlocker.com to see what the t-shirts we have, they're sick. I've never heard anyone who looked at that website and didn't say, damn, these are sick. No, no, no quite. I have so many people reaching out to me asking if, if I can hook them up with one. I'm like, no, sorry, you got to pay the big bucks to get them. Now, if you subscribe, you don't have to pay the big bucks. Use that promo code Broncos Ryan. It's, it's a win, win, win. You get the t-shirt, uh, you get the subscription for a year, which is all the draft coverage, all of the season coverage, you even get the Avs, Nuggets, and Rockies for the next year, and you help us bring home the W. It's, it is a perfect scenario, and I'll even add another thing on here. Mm. We still have a limited amount of BSN Broncos t-shirts, Ooh. which aren't in circulation anymore mm. for reasons out of our control, Stup <laughs> stupid reasons out of our control, but they are, they, they do still exist in the office and we can give them to you. We just can't sell them to you. So wow. if those we things win, are worth extra. Yeah, exactly. If we win this and you want one, um, send me a, an email at Ryan at BSNDenver.com with your size. I'll look and see if we have your size. It's, it's kind of a toss up because again, we only did one printing of them. And, um, you know, I have one, Zach has one, you know, they, they've dwindled down a little bit, but there are still some. So depending on your size, I might be able to get you one of those, which 
this is the only opportunity you'll really have to get one of those. And not only are just all the shirts we have extremely dope looking, they're also some of the best shirts feeling. I mean, they're, they're awesome. I'm wearing one right now. Yep. I mean, basically when I'm hanging out, I wear one of these. Uh, they're that comfortable. Okay. I'll stop. <laughs> um, back to what you were saying about Kyler Murray. I, I kind of forget what you were saying. <laughs> just, just how polarizing oh. is. And once draft day comes around, there's going to be, I think he's, every GM is going to think 95% of GMs are going to think he's a first round pick. I think half of them are going to say he's the number one overall pick, and half are going to say, ah, uh, late first-round pick. I think it, I think he's that polarizing. Yeah, and I think the ones who say late first-round pick aren't going to be a team that is drafting a quarterback. Right. And so they can just say that and, and not have to think about which quarterback are you taking here. I wonder if I can get odds right now on Kyler Murray in Vegas, on Kyler Murray being the first quarterback off the board, because I'm very, very convinced of that. And here's what people who are – trying to knock Kyler Murray and his size aren't realizing. Kyler Murray is not just this little quick, you know, I want to use the word like scat back of a quarterback. No, he's the most advanced thrower of any of these guys. Uh, Dwayne Haskins is close, and he actually completed 1% more of his passes, which isn't, I mean, uh, on across the you know, whole season, that's pretty much nothing. Uh, but also... Both offenses created easy throws for the quarterback. I would say Dwayne Haskins, I, I'd have to look at the stats on this. So, you know, um, I'm going off what I've, my eyes have seen from watching tape. But I'm pretty sure Kyler Murray probably has a higher yards per completion than Dwayne Haskins did. Um, and I know he led the nation in yards per completion from the pocket, which, again, not just a guy who runs around all the time. So people are going to realize that. And I think it would be crazy to say NFL team. I should say, I used to think it would have been crazy to say NFL teams haven't done enough research on Kyler Murray yet to know that he's the most advanced thrower in this class. But John Elliott admitted to me, honestly, at the senior bowl that they hadn't done enough research on Kyler Murray yet. So I think John is right there with a lot of NFL GMs who were probably playing the waiting game on Kyler and saying, I'm not going to do a full quarterback eval. Because that's, I'd say it probably takes a week for a full evaluation of everything you want to know from Kyler Murray watching his tape. John probably said, I'm not going to spend a whole week on a kid if he's just going to go play baseball. So I'll watch, you know, this and that and at least have an idea of who the kid is for when I do sit down for my full eval. But maybe there's a lot of NFL GMs who are like that and pundits, you know, the Mel Kuypers and the Todd McShays of the world. I bet you they didn't spend as much time on Kyler Murray as, you know, uh, a lot of people may have because they didn't want to do the same thing. When people, when everyone who talks about the draft has seen every game of Kyler Murray's, they're going to come out and say, he's the best thrower. He's the most advanced passer in this draft he has the most pro ready throwing mechanics and accuracy in this class and th when that happens when everyone starts to figure that out is when I, I am convinced he will become everyone's first quarterback off the board I've been clearly hanging around you too much because yesterday you know I'm, I'm scouring the internet for mock drafts after after Kylie Kyler Murray uh, says he commits to the NFL and, you know, he's still going 13 to the Dolphins. Some people have him going 7 to the Jags. 
And I'm just like, well, come on, when's everyone going to pick up? Why aren't people putting him number one overall or even the number one quarterback? I, I need to, maybe I just need a vacation from you, Ryan. Not, <laughs> not, not that I don't want to be around you, but my, my mind is so clouded just with, with where he's going to go. But right now, that's, I feel the same way. Uh, and again, maybe it's just the, the RK effect on me, your, your great stories. But that, that's how I feel right now. Uh, Mel Kuyper, who, you know, it, people love to pick on him, but he is connected. Right now, he still has Kyler at 13. I don't think he's put a, a, an updated mock draft out there. But I wonder if, you know, Todd McShay, Mel Kuyper, all these national guys mock draft, if their next version, the first version since Kyler Murray it, uh, said he was committing to the NFL— is he going to be going six to the Giants, or is he still going to be at 13? How long does this process take? Well, real quick on what you said about the RK effect. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I got a tweet yesterday from CTD Sports Life, at CTD Sports Life. He said, me, I'm not going to overreact to pre-draft stories. Also me after reading this. Whatever it takes to get Kyler Murray. <laughs> so I'm glad I'm, I'm getting that sort of emotional response from people when they read my stories, but... Uh, I was convinced yesterday, I was watching, you know, the ESPN shows uh, in the background as I'm kind of doing my Kyler Murray research, and all of their conversations were, is Kyler Murray a first-round pick? And I was convinced that they were told to start here. This is the jumping-off point. We're going to jump off at, is Kyler Murray uh, a first-round pick? And then, by the week of the draft, we're going to progress to, is Kyler Murray going number one overall? I was convinced because moving up in the draft is a good story, right? It happens mm-hmm. every single year, and I'm convinced yep. it's media-driven. Mm, it's us. Well, it's, then, then why are you ruining it, Ryan? Why are you just jumping the gun two months early? Because I want to be the one <laughs> who can retweet myself on draft day when, I, when all the reports are coming out, oh, this person's trying to trade up to number one to yep. get Kyler Murray. I can retweet myself when I said yesterday, by the time the draft comes around, he will be getting buzzed as number one overall. I'm convinced of it. And I'm convinced that every NFL GM will read my story yesterday (laughs) in which I make the case that you cannot find one quarterback who had every tool. And I'm convinced Kyler Murray has every tool. The leadership one is something that NFL teams will have to discover for themselves. He's not on the same level as Baker Mayfield, but few are. In fact, I've never in all my years watching the NFL been so sold on a player's leadership coming in. Uh, that I was on Baker Mayfield, maybe Tim Tebow. So mm. the only other person who I said is a, is as good of a leader as Baker Mayfield coming out. So that's the one that you could say has to be learned. I'll say when I talked to Oklahoma players, they all raved about his leadership. They did also say he's not he's not Baker Mayfield, which I totally understand. No one is. Um, so maybe that one's debatable. But I'm talking about physical abilities. Kyler Murray checks off every single box. You want to talk about accuracy. You want to talk about arm strength, you know, sideline to sideline, from hash to sideline. You want to talk about downfield arm strength. You want to talk about footwork. You want to talk about ability to win from the pocket. You want to talk about ability to make throws outside of the pocket. Every single one is checked off. The only thing he doesn't check is height when it comes to physical ability. I'm convinced there is not a quarterback out there who has ever checked off all these boxes and and failed simply because of height. We we have to go full in on Kyler Murray right now. So saying all of that, what's his bust? How how does he become a bust? How does he not work out? 
I thought you were going to say, what's his bust look like in the NFL Hall of Fame? <laughs> well, it looks like him. <laughs> um, the, I only see one way. And I didn't say this yesterday until I watched the tape. Okay. There's only one way Kyler Murray is a bust in the NFL. And it's if he gets injured. Hmm. He is an NFL thrower of the football. Hmm. From the pocket. You take away his legs, he is still the best thrower of the football yeah. in this class, in my opinion. Yeah. Dude, and I'm going to say what Andre said because after Andre said it, I watched the tape, and I think Andre's right. He said, I don't know if I've ever seen a quarterback in in, when I was scouting who put the ball in the perfect spot as much as he does. Mm. And that, again, that's what I'm saying. No one realizes this yet. Right. But they're going to eventually. It's just dimes. Mm. Dimes on dimes on dimes on dimes. And so – you take away his legs, I would still say he's the most accurate, best thrower of the football in this class. Then you add the legs, and I'm like, okay, now he's the most one of the most electric quarterbacks I've ever seen in my life. And the only thing you can say about him that makes him not like an Andrew Luck, Trevor Lawrence, John Elway type prospect is his height. And are you really gonna say? Are you really gonna say Kyler Murray is better than Drew Lock and? Every single category, except arm strength. I would say Drew Locke has a stronger arm. Stronger arm, and he's taller. And potentially leadership. Yeah, and leadership, he definitely has a bigger sample size, where and the sample is good. But I put a quote in there in my story um, from what Steve Sarkeesian said, Bill Walsh. Remember, Bill Walsh is the same guy who drafted Joe Montana in the third round <laughs> and acquired Steve Young for a second and a fourth. Mm. He has quite an eye for uh, for talent yep. when it comes to the quarterback position. What he said is you can talk about arm strength, size, accuracy, this, or not accuracy. He didn't say accuracy. You can talk about arm strength, size, what offense he played in, this, that, this, that. All my scouts come and they tell me this or that or this or that. And my only question every time is, does he throw the ball where the receivers catch it? <laughs> and Kyler Murray – above every other prospect in this class, throws the ball where the receiver catches it. Should should that be a surprise, Ryan? No, it shouldn't be. be he has a strong arm and is accurate, probably in large part due to his baseball career and, and his baseball background. This guy was going to throw a tiny ball that had to be more accurate than footballs, and so it, it really shouldn't be a surprise. He's not a one-year anomaly, but he's different. And who who is going to act on that? Is it the Arizona Cardinals who, like we said before the show, you you said this, Josh Rosen is the perfect prototypical quarterback. I mean, if you say draw me a prototypical NFL quarterback for from 10 years ago, you are drawing Josh Rosen. Um, and, and pocket passer, that's him. Are the Cardinals going to want to move that direction and stick with him? Or are they going to want to take what would be viewed as a gamble, moving on from a first-round pick, after his rookie season, going with a 5'9 Heisman quarterback, they have the coach to do that. They do. Now, Ryan, you said the owner of the Cardinals came out and, and right now said they're not going to do that, right? He said, we need to build around the foundation that we already have. And that foundation, to me, it, you could take it Josh one of Josh Rosen, ways. David Johnson, and Liss. Patrick Peterson. And, and, and you, you could say, our foundation is a first-round quarterback we got last year. Or you can say... Or he could spin it in two months and say, oh, yeah, our foundation is Cliff Kingsbury, uh, our new head coach. And you know what? 
Cliff did so much research. Cliff really liked Josh Rosen uh, coming in. That's why one of the main reasons he took this job. But you know what? Kyler Murray is his guy, so that's our foundation. We're moving in that direction. That could happen. Could be the Raiders at four. John Gruden at the Senior Bowl twice, multiple times, unprompted, not asked about Kyler Murray, not asked about short quarterbacks, not asked about mobile quarterbacks, just in general, out of nowhere, John Gruden pointed to Kyler Murray. Could it be the Jacksonville Jaguars at seven? Sure. Could it be the Miami Dolphins at 13? I don't think so, and the reason is I don't think he's going to be there at 13. Could it could it be the Miami Dolphins at three? Yeah, it could be the Washington Redskins. Sure, and that's could it be the Denver Broncos? Sure, I don't think so right now. We'll get a better feel as as this continues. Right now, I'd put the Broncos at probably the end of the list of teams that would truly be interested or, or that would truly have an opportunity to draft him. Maybe they'll move up, but what we're talking six teams that could draft him, that could move up to draft him and grab him in, in, in the top seven picks. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be hard. It's hard to see right now that the Broncos think of Kyler Murray the same way I do. Right. I don't think they're quite as high on him now, but again, I think eventually everyone's going to realize he's the, he's the best passer. Um, real quick, I wanted to, to say something. In, my, in all my research yesterday, which – Researched a lot of different things. <laughs> Remember yesterday you said would you trade three firsts to go from 10 to 1? Yeah. It probably wouldn't be that that much. Mm. Uh, I went back and looked at what the, the Rams gave up, and they were at 15, yep. and they went to 1. Two firsts, two seconds, two thirds. Not including that year's first? That is including that year's first. Wow. So that first, an additional first, two seconds, and two thirds. Wow. Still a lot. A lot, a lot. But it's better than three firsts, in my opinion. That's not bad. Then the Eagles, same year, to go up to number two. Yeah. Two firsts, a second, a third, and a fourth. Where were they? I don't remember. Okay. I do not remember. Um, but I want to say I, I want to say they're at 11. Okay. So outside of the top 10. So for yeah. the Broncos to get two to firsts. one or two, it's going to be – it. It turns out it's going to be a larger haul of picks. Right. Probably only have to give up two firsts. This year's first, next year's first, maybe this year's second, and Mm. next year's second, and then one more, maybe one more pick. Dang. Dang. So in the the next two drafts, you have a third round pick. (laughs) Yep. In the first two days. And, And again, you can do things to get more picks, you know? You can figure out a way to get back in the first if you if you really want to. If he's your guy, that's not that's not an issue. And that's why my headline is the Broncos need to risk everything. Because it is a massive risk. And I said it'd be a legacy defining move for John Elway. By the way, the last line of my story is there's no need to overthink this, and it goes on. Chris Harris today. Mm-hmm. Oh, tweeting about Kyler Murray said they're making this too hard. Yep. He makes all the throws, and he succeeded at every level of his career in football. But me and Chris, we're often on the same <laughs> wavelength when it comes to quarterbacks. Uh, so, didn't think we were going to talk this much Kyler Murray, <laughs> but it's so easy to talk about Kyler Murray. Um, I do want to talk about this because we put it off yesterday, so we're going to go long in the first segment here. Woody Page, uh, the legendary sports writer here in Denver, was given the 
impressive access to sit down in Vic Fangio's office and have an exclusive one-on-one interview with him. And I thought there were some extremely, extremely interesting thoughts that he had in there and, and quotes from Vic Fangio. Zach, what did you take away the most from that article? There was there was one huge quote in there, Ryan, when when and you actually put it out on Twitter right when the article came out, and it talked about Vic's mindset and approach to how he handles and views this team. And I thought it was very, very interesting in terms of band-aids and how to look at this team moving forward. And is he going to just patch things up? Or is it kind of a rebuild? And I thought that was very interesting. Uh, Obviously, you found that interesting as well. Yeah, here's the quote. He says, here's what happened to the Bears before I got there. What they were doing is putting Band-Aids on every little problem, hoping they would be a good team the next year. By the time we got there, they sucked. They were old with no young talent, no nothing. I've coached on two expansion teams in Carolina and with the Texans, and our roster on defense when I was hired was worse than those expansion defenses. We cannot let that happen here in Denver. We can't do everything just to get to 8-8 eight and eight now, so we'll be 3-13 in 2021. Does that mean we won't get a veteran in free agency that will help us for a year or two? We can do that. But we can't go and throw a bunch of stuff against the wall and hope it sticks. I love this. I love this because he's being realistic. And Real quick. Actually, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, no. You got it. Okay, I was just going to say, in your wildest dreams, could you imagine Vance Joseph talking about free agency and acquiring players like this? No, absolutely not. And the reason is, is because I think Vance said what John Elway wanted exactly. to hear. Exactly. And I also couldn't imagine two years ago John hiring someone that would say this type of stuff. And one of the reasons, when I did some digging on Vic Fangio, one of the reasons that I heard he did not get a head coaching job until now is because in his previous head coaching interviews, he was too honest. He would say, your team stinks, man. And it's going to take a few years to get you better. And what does a GM want to hear that? No, because not only does that tell them that he's saying the GM has done a bad job, but he's saying it's going to be a few years until you win. Well, GMs also have contracts. They can get fired. They don't want to hear that. They want someone that's going to come in, uh, blow smoke up you, you, you know where, and make them feel good about themselves. And that's probably what every coach has, has done with John Elway up until this point. Vic told him this in their interview, I would imagine. He was probably this honest. But you know what it wrapped around to? It wrapped around to, John, I can probably make your team go 8-8 eight and eight this year. But in 2021... We may be three and thirteen because of that, or we can go six and ten, seven and nine this year. Maybe eight and eight, but eight and eight's not our goal. We're building for twenty twenty, and in twenty twenty one, that's when we're winning a championship, and we're winning a championship. And and if he came with with that much conviction that that was going to happen, and that it was going to be on the rise each year instead of what's happened the past few years of up and down, down, down of slowly getting better, that's probably something that can excite John, but also that's just realistic. And Ryan, I love that there's a realistic mind in the Broncos headquarters right now because I love being optimistic. And as a fan, you love hearing we're competing for championships year in and year out. Clearly, that catches up to you. 
and bad things happen when you stick at that and you try to you try to claw then bricks start coming out and then you just fall off and that's what's happened to the Broncos so I love that there's a realistic mind in there I do too and and again I just love that he's talking about this I love that he's talking about it because it means he thinks he has a say right and I don't think Vance Joseph ever felt like he had a say. Mm. So when asked about something like this, what do you think about Band-Aids, this or that? I think he would say, you know what? John Elway is a fantastic executive, and I trust him to make the best moves for our football team. His job is to put the team together. My job is to coach them up and make them win. Vic Fangio is saying, hey, look, there's a right and a wrong way to do this, and we're going to do it the right way. And you know what? I think John Elway would respect the hell out of that, and it's probably why he hired him. It's probably because he sat down there and he said, and he said, I bet you he said, what do you think went wrong with Vance Joseph? That would be a great interview question. I would have, I would have asked it. Yeah. And he would, and maybe this is what, and this is what he said. You know, he said, look, Domita Pecco helped your team in the short term. And, um, he is a good player, but Domita Pecco doesn't help you win a championship three years from the time that you signed him. Yeah. And, you know, he, he went through the guys and, and he said, look, doing this and doing that and, you know, signing um, Pac-Man Jones, mm-hmm. you know, signing Case Keenum. Case Keenum's 100% a Band-Aid player. Mm-hmm. He probably said, that's what was the end game? You got to have an end game when you make moves. And so when I get there, every move will be made with the idea of getting closer to the end game, which both of us agree is winning a Super Bowl. And probably, is this really going to help us? And in John's mind, really helping us is competing for a Super Bowl. Does, yeah, exactly. Does signing Domita Pecco this year to a one-year, $2.5 million deal really help you? No, it doesn't. Because Domita's not going to be around when you're competing for a Super Bowl. And I think there's one thing that, that's in Domita's favor that you have to keep in mind anytime you're going to sign a veteran player like this at the end of their career. Does he help the locker room? Right. Can he help young players develop? Can he help the spirits when they're low? And if the answer is yes, then there is a there is an excuse for signing a guy in in a short term view of things. Do you think Pac-Man Jones was helping Brendan Langley come along? Really? No, no, certainly, certainly not. And and, and I think that. We could dive in with this quote to so many different players, whether it's in free agency this year or whether it's in the players that are on the roster right now. But Ryan, this quote points at QB, not like like no other. This means don't try and, and go trade for Joe Flacco. Don't try and get Nick Foles. Don't try to get that quick fix because you did that last year and it didn't work out with Case Keenum. What this means is go and get your guy, in the draft, most likely. And if it takes a year or two for him to come along, you know what? That's the NFL. That's the cost of getting a guy for the next 15 years. Look at Patrick Mahomes. Yes, he had success in his first year playing, but he sat a year. Uh, they, they wasted a first-round pick that year they got him because he didn't play until Week 17 against the Broncos. And Vic understands that. Heck, Vic's been in the NFL just as long as John Elway. So if, if John's ever going to... I guess now John can't pull the card of, well, I know the, the NFL better than you. Vic says, no, from a coaching perspective, I know it better than you. From a front office perspective, I've been in this building longer than you have uh, because you were a player during half of that time. So I, I, I think that means go and get the young quarterback. 
I think so too. And in fact, the only way you can talk about winning a, t- a championship in 2021 is with a young quarterback. Right. It's the only possible way, unless you're saying, um, you know, Russell Wilson's going to become a free agent next year and we're going to sign him. That's a pipe dream. Again, you know, you can't operate on pipe dreams. Here's another thing you mentioned, you know, why he hasn't got fired in, in, in brutal honesty or why he hasn't gotten hired in, in the brutal honesty of him saying things. Here's another reason why he thinks he, he didn't get hired. Quote, I never played college or pro football. I wasn't the son of a head coach. I didn't fit the profile. And even though I coached on some very good teams, I was also with some bad teams, and I'm sure teams weren't interested in me. We can't act like that doesn't matter. We can't act like Wade Phillips didn't get some preferential treatment early in his career because he was the son of bum. We can't act like the Ryan brothers didn't get a little bit of preferential treatment throughout their careers because of who their dad is. We can't act like... Clint Kubiak isn't the quarterback's coach in Minnesota because of who his dad is. There is nepotism in the NFL, and it runs rampant everywhere. Really quick, did you hear who uh, the Rams' new tight ends coach is? His last name is Phillips. Uh, okay, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Wes Phillips. Son, yep. Wes Phillips. Again, this happens everywhere. Everywhere, because coaches have a lot of power over who their assistants are. And to get to move up in the world, you got to be an assistant. And so to for, for Vic Fangio, he had to cut his teeth all the way up. I mean, from from the bottom, from being a high school position coach without any preferential treatment for any for any specific reason. That makes the the progression a lot longer. Who are we talking about? Um, uh, that was the son of someone oh was it no not brian kelly one of the other, yes yes the, it was uh yes one of the other big big guy coaches. <laughs> yeah. whoever it was he's oh. like 20 28 or whatever we're like oh he'll be a head coach soon yep but it's because he was the son of whoever um bill callahan's son just got a promotion this again this happens everywhere was it weiss yeah. Charlie yeah. Weiss's son? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Brian Weiss or yeah. something like that. These this is how it works in coaching. Is you got to be in the inner circle. We've seen it with the Broncos for years now. You know, if you're not part of that, the reason Vance Joseph was hired is because they felt like he fit in the circle. It's the truth. Sat down with him, they're like, "Oh yeah, this guy's one of us." It's it leads to some bad decisions and it's nepotism everywhere. So Vic Fangio has a good point there. You know, it might sound like excuses to some people, but here he is. He's got his job. It just took him damn near 40 years. First off, it is such an incredible story, such a feel good story. But then just think of of how difficult this was for him. And also look at look at Rich Scangarello, too. I mean, the Broncos are bringing in completely different personalities than they brought in in the past. Just three years ago, they were hiring, or I guess four years ago, they were hiring Gary Kubiak, uh, who was John Elway's best friend. He was his backup quarterback. He was his offensive coordinator. Uh, he th- That's the type of guy John was going for. Now he's got a head coach that's self-made, and Rich Scangarello is the ultimate self-made story. In fact, Rich Scangarello, it's not like he just had Vic Fangio's number and John Elway's number in his phone like Kyle Shanahan did since he was, what, 10 years old? No, and, and he, Kyle Shanahan walking on the sidelines at Broncos practice when he was a kid. He grew up in that building. Rich Scangarello had to go a few different places to get Vic Fangio's number, called him, met him 
at, at Indianapolis at the Combine and reached out to all these different guys. Scheduled to, a golf date. Exactly. Reached out to all these different guys just to get to know them, and that's how he built this relationship. So in terms of story-wise, I mean, the book's writing itself right now. Now, could the book catch on fire this year and next year? Absolutely. It could, it could go up in flames. But also, personally, I love these stories. Maybe because it, it kind of relates to myself. I didn't know anyone in this industry. Just, just, just throw yourself in. And so I love... Uh, just these guys got there because of who they are, not of who they know. Yeah, it's huge. And, you know, it's kind of like what we talked about with Dalton Reisner, right? Where he had to, he, he was sending letters to coaches being like, I will be a division <laughs> one player. Yeah. Whether you, whether it's going to be with your team or not, that's up to you. Mm. I love that. Rich Gangarello calling around every NFL coach that he respected saying, Hey, can we sit down? I'd just like to pick your brain. I'd like to play golf. I'd like to do whatever. And when the Broncos needed an offensive coordinator, Vic Fangio, and, and, you know, and John Elway said, hey, do you know anything about the Scangarello guy? He says, yeah, that guy's awesome. He reached out to me, set up a meeting, set the time, set the place. Then he said, hey, if you're ever out in California, let's go play a round of golf. It happened I was. We went and played. Loved everything he had to say. Like, <laughs> that's go. That's just being a go-getter. Yeah, it is. It's so cool. And Ryan... I mean, he, he is old school in the way he, he approaches stuff. According to Woody Page, he doesn't put his play sheet and his plays on a computer. I don't know if it's because he doesn't trust anyone or he's just not that type of guy. Everything's written down on paper. He doesn't even show it to his fellow coaches. That's, that is incredible. Let me ask you something. What NFL player does that remind you of? Peyton? Peyton Manning. <laughs> That was the first thing that came to my mind when I read yeah. that. I said, oh, he's Peyton Manning. Yep. Peyton would be the same way. If Peyton was an offensive coordinator, his, all of, his entire playbook would be handwritten. <laughs> no one would get to look at it except him and his quarterbacks. Yep. And it would be nowhere possible because Peyton Manning probably says, you know what? I bet you Bill Belichick has some software that knows how to – has a, he probably <laughs> – Bill Belichick probably has a hacker employed. Yep. yep. Who can hack into any data – I mean, I'm not kidding. <laughs> I would not be surprised if that was the truth. And so Vic Fangio, ain't nobody hacking his playbook. You're going to have to break into his office and steal it if you want. <laughs> and saying all of this, Ryan, especially with the old school stuff, is this a guy that's going to draft Kyler Murray? Yes. The new school, new age guy. <laughs> He's also on a team last year that succeeded because of Mitch Trubisky and a new age offense. Yep. Yep. And And I don't think... He's old school enough where he's not going to evolve because you know what? You don't stay in the NFL for, for 30 years if you're not evolving, if you're not willing to think forward. Now, do I think that means Kyler Murray's his guy? I don't know. Not necessarily. I don't think it, it means that. I also don't think it doesn't mean that. I just think it's funny how old school he is in some ways. He definitely is old school. I loved when I read that. Uh, normally, I'm not old school. That was awesome to me. Yeah. The only problem here, Zach, is that's why he says when he goes up into his office uh, at the stadium, he likes to spread everything out. Mm. Well, yeah, that's because it's all handwritten on mm. sheets. It's not on a, <laughs> on an Excel spreadsheet that sizes everything down so it can all fit on. I mean, have you ever seen a, a, an NFL play card? It's, you know, probably 18 by, you yeah. know, by 12. And font Real long four. Font four. <laughs> and it's and it's all color coded so you can get your eyes to it quickly, but this stuff is tiny. 
for him, I'm guarantee when he gets up into his office, he takes out all of his sheets and lays them out one by one in front of him on his desk. That's going to be hard for him. I think maybe he's going to have to break this and put it onto an XL. Or else he's bringing the Ten Commandments down there on the sidelines, and he's just going to have got to scroll. <laughs> you know, um, maybe they can create like a closed circuit <laughs> computer for him that he feels comfortable with. Does isn't connected to the internet. Uh, you know, is completely private in every way it only has one thing on it and that's excel and he can figure out how to use it and then they have they have an intern type it up for him and then they no they, way they no act int- they ax the intern after <laughs> oh there you go yep hey we have a we have a job for you all right why don't you just come out here behind the uh, facility for us that's it's not a bad idea um all right Let's move on here, but before we do, I want to tell you guys about Get Around. If you're ever in need of a car, truck, or vehicle for a few hours or even for a few days, Get Around is at your service. Get Around is a car sharing app, and you can literally unlock cars near you just using their app. Better yet, if you have a car that's just sitting around, make some extra money for your next vacation. Get Around's insurance policy and 24-7 customer service have you covered. Go to get.co backslash bsn and save $15 on your first rental or visit get.co backslash bsn and sign up for free to rent your car and start making money fast all right zach well second segment and third segment are back to question segments uh everyone has gotten back in gear and we are up to a full house when it comes to questions so let's get right into these and the first one comes in from h town bronco he says hey gang hope everyone had a good weekend Quick thought after listening to today's podcast regarding Murray. I think his intentions were to play cat and mouse, like you said, using it as a negotiation tactic. I, however, feel that his plan backfired after he dropped the ball in the Dan Patrick interview. After the interview, I heard of multiple league executives listed as executive sources that they were backing off and becoming disinterested in him after it aired. I think that made him that, that made him kind of forced into declaring to a sport so he could minimize his risk in falling in the draft and secure a bigger payday than the MLB. If I was on his team, I would have advised the same thing. Thoughts? Yeah, I still think he, here's the thing is there was a report just last night that Kyler Murray can still use the, the, the negotiating powers in order to go to whichever team he wants. I wasn't sure if he lost that by committing to the NFL. But he can always still fall back on the MLB. And the A's are not going to to take their foot off the gas. In fact, they said they were aware that Kyler Murray was probably going to go to the combine and they were okay with him going to the combine, going to the draft, seeing his options, and then bringing him back. Now, of course, that that's the route that they probably should take is be nice to him and try to do anything to get him back. But he still could go that way to, to, play, which, to play for whatever NFL team he wants. Yeah, I think he ha- he has unique power here. I think I don't know. I'm excited. I think that should be asked of him at the combine, and I'm I'm interested to see what he says. Is is there any chance you would use your leverage of baseball against a potential team drafting you that you didn't want to go to? I hope he says I would like to get drafted by any NFL team. My dream is to be a quarterback in the NFL, and any team that would give me that opportunity would be an extreme uh, blessing to me. That's what he'll say, right? I don't know. Would he say that and Could then go back didn't? on that in the draft? Wow. After the Raiders pick him, he's like, oh, sorry, I forgot to tell you. I forgot to tell you, <laughs> not playing in Oakland. I already have too many enemies out here. <laughs> um, no, I think I think there's a chance he could say, 
you know what? Uh, I've talked a lot with my agent and my dad, and I am in a u- unique position. And, and where a player gets drafted mm. is just as important um, as what slot they get drafted in. For me, the most important thing is going to a system in a, in a place where I believe I can succeed. So, yeah, there is a chance. I doubt that would happen, but it, it's a possibility. I mean, nothing he's done so far has been conventional. Man, that's interesting. Now, do I think that him declaring that that he declared now because his draft was falling? Maybe. I, I just think that he needed to choose and to say something now because he was going to have to say something February 15th if he didn't report to MLB, right? I mean, he wasn't just going to completely ghost the A's and, and then just show up to the combine because then at the combine he has to say something. So in the next three weeks, he was going to have to talk. So it makes sense to do it over your Instagram, when you don't have to take questions, when people get to soak this in. And then by the time he's going to talk to the media, uh, you know, a big contingent of the media at the Combine, everyone's going to be okay. Everyone's going to know he's going the football route. Yeah. One thing I would say is if this was going to happen, if he always knew he was going to play in the NFL, but he was going to play the cat and mouse game for as long as possible, someone somewhere should have advised him either don't go on the Super Bowl media tour mm-hmm. or make the decision before you go. Yeah. Yeah, that it certainly looked terrible. It was a bad look. It certainly was. And I've got people in my mentions about my story saying, did you see the Dan Patrick interview? Mm. My defense is he was in a really tough position and doing what he was being advised to do, which was don't answer any questions, which was really bad advice. <laughs> but you could tell he kept looking over, right? Like, is this what I'm, what, what do I do here? I'm getting, I'm getting pressed. I wasn't expecting to be pressed this hard. I thought we were just going to talk about Pepsi or whoever he was with, you know, <laughs> yeah. like he was, he was definitely caught off guard there and it, and it was a bad look. Um, the last thing I'll say, and this is something that a lot of people have, were talking about yesterday. Maybe this will come up later in the question. So sorry if I spoil it for a later question. He for sure got a first round guarantee from someone. Mm. Wouldn't have done this if he didn't have it. Mm. Could have been the Cardinals, could have been the Patriots. Someone told him, if you declare, we will draft you 100% with our first pick if you're there. Could have been John Elway. Could have been. Could have. Next one coming in from Tom3565. He says, enjoy the podcast, guys, and the new site was well worth the wait. I am stuck in the Bermuda Triangle of AFC football. I am stuck almost equal distance from the Bills, Patriots, and Jets. So thankfully, I can listen to you guys for my Broncos news. Sorry about that. It's a pretty rough uh, little area to be in there, but nice place. And uh, we're glad we can help you out. Next one's from Orbits Jupiter. He says, hey, guys, subscribe during a sale a while back, or I would again now. I really hope you guys get the three-peat. About in and out Yes, this again. Don't worry. You weren't <laughs> the only one to talk about this today. I worked there for several years and can pr- oh. provide some insight <laughs> on why you can't make your mind up yet. Ryan, if you've only had an animal style burger and you had, then you haven't had the true in and out experience. Animal style burgers are cooked differently using mustard, which changes the taste of the meat. And they come with extra grilled onions, which seem to mm. turn you off of in and out entirely. Please don't make your final judgment until you try a standard burger. The next time you have your chance, get a burger without ordering animal fry- fries and your style, your opinion may be different. Also, for the best fries, order them lightly well done. Don't think you can save those. Mm. On to football. As a Boise State... Oh, by the way, I will. I will. I, I'm a very open-minded 
uh, eater. I had no idea that they cook the meat differently with animal style. Yeah, that's really interesting. Mm. So they have they have to put aside a whole different yeah. style. Yeah, interesting. Um, but I will. I, I promise you. Next time I'm in an In and Out area, I will try it that way. You can just throw your animal style on top of mine. I'll have like double animal style, mm, like jungle style. <laughs> there we go. He says, on to football. As a Boise State fan, I'm hoping the Broncos take a page out of the Redskins playbook. Can't believe I'm saying that. And both draft a QB in round one, then draft Brett Rippon in day two. So they have two chances to hit at what is clearly the most important position on the field. What do you guys think the likelihood of them picking two QBs in the 2019 draft is? And if they do, is Rippon someone that they would be high on for the middle rounds? Always enjoy the pod. Best Broncos content by far. And exactly what I need during the long, dark offseason. Sure, sure. I think they could draft two quarterbacks. That's, it's happened. I think they would just go all in on whoever they draft this year. Then maybe add that back up next year or something. I could see it, but I it, all their concentration and focus would be on the guy, the first guy. Yeah, the reason why I would say this is possible is they don't have a backup. Hmm. You know, especially if they they want to draft, let's say they draft Kyler Murray, move on from Case Keenum to save that 10 mil. Right. You're not going into the season with Kyler Murray and Kevin Hogan. Right. Now, you could go into the season with Kyler Murray and, um, you know, uh, Josh McCown or uh, Kyler Murray and Tyrod Taylor or someone else who fit, you know, McCown doesn't really fit that system, but you know what I'm saying? Yep. Maybe you do. You say, okay, well, our, our quarterback cupboard is completely and entirely bare. Why wouldn't we draft two if we like this other guy? And develop them both. And if you go the Kyler Murray route, you're going to have to help me with pronunciation. Jordan Ta'amu from from Old Miss, he'd be your perfect guy. He's viewed as a perfect mid-round uh, developmental quarterback. He's also mobile and he's accurate. So very, very similar uh, to Kyler Murray in that way. I would actually go with Mackenzie Milton, mm. the UCF quarterback who is not Obviously not the runner that Kyler Murray is. No one, literally no one in the draft is the runner that, that Kyler Murray is. No. Um, but a short quarterback who played in a spread system, who had a ton of success, I think those two would actually make a great combo. Obviously, he's coming off a torn ACL, a really nasty injury. Probably, I think it's actually worse than just a torn ACL. Um, but you get him in a fifth, sixth, seventh, maybe even undrafted, I think that would be a good guy to add to the, to the mix. But Rippon, again, I think the Broncos – um, would would certainly be interested in him. He he impressed at, at the um, what was it the Shrine game. All right, from J Row who says pronunciation guy, and I'm gonna just read it as he says. Think J Lo with an Asian accent. <laughs> <laughs> I he love says, it. He says yes, I can say that because it's funny. My name is J Rozek, and that's actually how I got the nickname 15 years ago when people still had a sense of humor. Okay, <laughs> I think people still do. Because I've been listening to the podcast since last offseason when I started searching for any kind of decent Broncos podcast. I've been a Broncos fan since 86, and although I listen to a lot of podcasts each day, it never dawned on me to look for a Broncos one. I have to be honest that it took listening to a few episodes to get me hooked on the great content. But Zach, really spelled with a C? Who does that? Okay, j Row. <laughs> uh, and Ryan really have a cool chemistry. Uh, and a lot of inside info. I finally became a subscriber because A, I felt like a freeloader for listening to all the pods for free. And B, with so few Broncos wins in the last two years, I wanted to win, enjoy a win in the <laughs> subscriber contest. That is the, the correct way to approach this. The Broncos may not be winning, but we still are. And that we can control. 
He goes on to say, enough self-congratulation and on to my homework question. I'm a Fresno State alumni, and I've been watching Marcus McMarion kill it the last couple of years. What are your thoughts on the Broncos drafting him in the late rounds as a possible project QB? He has a lot of upside and is kind of a Drew Locke-Kyler Murray hybrid. I wouldn't expect him to play the first year or two, but if you went with Murray in, in the first, and you could pick a very similar backup of him late in the draft with McMarion. Keep up the good work. I'm looking forward to all the inspirational hot pocket talk this offseason. <laughs> sure. I mean, that that's a perfect question to follow the one we just had. Uh, he's a guy that threw 25 touchdowns to five interceptions last year, 68% completion. Uh, a smaller guy, not Kyler Murray small, 6'2", 200 pounds, is mobile. Certainly. I mean, that that could be a guy that, that you add in the late rounds. I have to admit, J. Rowe, I'm sorry to say this, I, I have like a, a weird hate for Fresno State mm. because, one, they beat CU in 2001 with David Carr, mm. and that kept CU out of the national championship game. They beat him in week one. <sighs> then the most embarrassing loss of any of my teams in my entire life was against Fresno State. They were up on CU 35-0 in the first quarter. Wow. When and was that? During the darkest, darkest times. I would CU. say so. Um, so I don't actually hate them, but all, all of my memories towards them are bad. By the way, that was with Derek Carr. Two, <sighs> play him two times, and you have to play their two, probably their two best quarterbacks in team history. And now he's on the Raiders. Yep. Um, but anyways, McMarion, I think, actually would be a pretty good fit for what they're doing if they go the Kyler Murray route. Really, even if not, could be an interesting guy. Remember, like I just said, the quarterback cupboard is bare. The Broncos are drafting a quarterback no matter what this year. Yeah. Even if it's if it's in the first, if it's in the first and fourth, if it's in just the fourth, if it's in the seventh, there will be a quarterback drafted by the Broncos this year. I, I could almost guarantee that. He says, P.S., thanks for mentioning the price difference between Five Guys and In-N-Out. While Five Guys is good, In-N-Out is by far the best fast food burger out there, and you can get twice the food for the same price as Five Guys. That being said, In-N-Out fries are trash and only edible animal style but I'm digressing. <laughs> there we go. We got two good, two positives to zero negatives on In-N-Out Burgers right now. Well, he also on says that the fries chain. are trash. <laughs> yeah, I, I've most... never really thrown up a, a uh, argument against that. Why haven't they changed their fries? Apparently, you need to get them, according to Orbit's Jupiter, lightly well done. I'm not going into In-N-Out like a damn steakhouse. Come <laughs> <laughs> well, can I get my fries Pittsburgh medium rare, please? <laughs> Oh, you wouldn't want that from in and out. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Okay, so uh, this next one's from Yeti Roar. He says, okay, 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 I see you, RK. I've been pounding the table for the Broncos to take Locke because I truly believe he's the next Phillip Rivers. Mm. But your masterful sales pitch of an article on Murray certainly has me thinking twice. Locke has the it factor in spades and has the intelligence I think is required to play in the modern NFL. I can't deny Murray's talent, however, and I'm starting to think I'd be stoked if Denver ended up with either. Here's my question. If you had to keep Murray at the same height at 5'10", but could add 10 pounds of muscles to bring him up to, say, 205 at the expense of 10 to 15% of his speed and agility, would you still say Kyler Murray is far and away QB1 in this class? To me, the usage of Russell Wilson made me think I probably wouldn't have a problem at all with Denver taking Murray if I wasn't afraid some defender at some point will relieve him of his head. I don't think I'm afraid he'll be a bust nearly as much as I'm afraid he'll have an injury-related short career uh, as a quarterback. Thanks for the amazing coverage, as always, gentlemen. Okay. Um, 
first of all, I don't think adding 10, 10 pounds would cost him 10 to 15% of his speed and agility. I wouldn't do anything that would cost him 10 to 15% of his speed and agility. But I think he can certainly handle 10 to 10 pounds of muscle without losing really any. And he will gain 10 pounds of muscle and just body by being in the NFL. Yeah, so I'm not worried about that at all. Maybe it costs him 1% of his speed and agility, but I don't even think that would happen. Um, really, that's not that's not a risk that I'm worried about. Uh, yes, even if he did lose 10 to 15% of his speed and agility, I still would say he's the number one quarterback on my board because, again, he's the best passer. Uh, he's the most accurate. He's the most nuanced in his, uh, you know, his mechanics, everything. And, and remember, you know, he has it in his blood. So he's gonna. He's been learning this for a long time. He's very polished as a passer. So that's why the answer to that would be yes. Michael Vick or Philip Rivers? If you're gonna get one of them for their entire career, let let's say Kyler Murray profiles just like Michael Vick, and Drew Locke profiles just like. Philip Rivers, and of course, no off the field. I was going to say, what's Kyler Murray's stance on dogs? Um, He's nice to them. I mean, it's the same. One's just more fun. Hmm. Neither one of them, obviously, Philip Rivers has had a much more accomplished career. But I think Michael Vick, if you take out the dogfighting stuff, he lost two years of his prime. He might have been able to win a Super Bowl. We'll never know. He not only lost those two years of his prime, but he was never considered a franchise quarterback again, which really makes it impossible for us to evaluate him on the same scale. But for those first four years, I'm taking Michael Vick over Phillip Rivers. Again, I don't think either of these are really a fair comparison. But by the way, as I put in my article, do you remember anyone ever talking about Michael Vick being undersized in terms of his height? No. He's six foot. Hmm. He's my height. Yeah. Barely taller than than Kyler Murray. Just something to keep in mind. The the athleticism, mobility certainly help you when you're a small guy. So yeah, I mean that 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 helps him a ton. And there's a lot of similarities between Mike Vick and Philip Rivers' stats. Mike Vick, 61 and 51 in his career overall. Philip Rivers, 118 and 90. Not too different in winning percentages. In fact, very close. Michael Vick, in fact, in his second stint with the Eagles, he was very successful. 57 touchdowns to 33 interceptions. For his career, 133 touchdowns to 88 interceptions. Phillip Rivers, not too far off. Phillip Rivers looking at 300. I guess Phillip does have a better touchdown-to-interception ratio. 374 touchdowns to 178 interceptions. But either of those players, not bad options. Neither of them won a Super Bowl was my main point. Obviously... Philip Rivers' career is nearly Hall of Fame level, um, maybe Hall of Fame level. So, if you're getting, you know, comparing apples to apples here, you would take Philip Rivers. But neither of them won a Super Bowl, so in the end, they were bad draft picks. So you go in Dwayne Haskins, then you're going option C. <laughs> no, I'm not taking any of the options. I only want quarterbacks who win the Super Bowls. Um, Moving on here. You want to get the next one? Next one coming in from Karch. That's a long one. Sorry. Get another pronunciation guide here. Karch. There we go. Any of you on the fence about subscribing, do it. I haven't regretted regretted it for a second. The coverage is the best you'll get anywhere, hands down. Plus, the community that you join is unparalleled anywhere. It truly is something special here at BSN, and I'm incredibly grateful to be a part of that community. Get in on this opportunity. 
you will not regret it. Karch, thank you so much. We appreciate your support and every subscriber's support. Use that promo code BRONCOS to get in on that. All right, now to the long part of Karch's question. Whatever we do, we need a quarterback in the first round. I don't see any other way to go about it, and boy, am I getting hyped about these prospects. With your coverage of Locke during the Senior Bowl and extensive insight on Murray, I think I'd be happy with either one. However, there's no denying the most dynamic playmaker in this draft is Kyler Murray. The Broncos' offense, aside from Phillip Lindsay, has been as exciting as watching paint dry since the end of the Peyton Manning era. If Murray is the quarterback, the offense, if Murray is the quarterback, the offense will be dynamic, it will be fun, and it will put up points. It's been a long time since we've been able to say that about the offense. Just think of the possibilities. He is the he's the kind of player that makes everyone around him better. I think he could really bring out the best in some of Denver's players as well. For example, What's Bull's biggest strength? Getting into the open field and using his athleticism. Kyler lets you use that. Get him out on the edge and get Kyler going out that way with Phillip Lindsay on a pitch option. There's no way the defense can cover all that speed. Plus, when Scangarello picks up as a head coach in a couple years due to the massive amounts of success the Broncos offense has, he, he'd be the perfect for our future OC Ryan Koningsberg's RRPPO system. The guy just gives you so many options, and he can beat you in every way. The plan is foolproof, and I'm ready to sell the farm for this guy. Kyler Murray is the truth. Whatever we have to do to get him is worth it, but what do you guys realistically think Denver would have to give up to get him? Much love, as always, to the BSN fam. Karch. Great reading by you there, Zach. I'll let you catch your breath. (laughs) Um, Agree with you on all points. Do whatever you have to do, do, do to get Kyler Murray. I do think he makes everyone on the field better. He does my favorite thing, which is he he makes it he makes it so frustrating for defenses because he, when you think you have him sacked, he escapes and then he scrambles around and you can't cover the receivers for four seconds and they get open and you converse a third and ten where you thought you had him dead to rights and then on the next play he goes and scores a touchdown because you're so frustrated and you're on your heels. It's my favorite attribute of any quarterback because I've only ever seen it happen to my teams. And when it does, I've I could never be more frustrated. <laughs> yep. Uh, so he he's gonna make life a living hell for defenses. As for what it would take to get him, I think we we mentioned it a little bit earlier. Again, the people that are talk, some people think you could sit there at ten and get him. I think mm. that's absolute ridiculousness. I really think that the only reason people are saying that is because they can play the whole moving up the draft charts uh, story. I think. To be safe, you got to go to two. And in fact, that's not even safe. But I think it's going to be really on your only option. If the Cardinals want to draft him, they're going to draft him at one. You can't trade up with them. So if you trade to two, you guarantee your best chance of getting him. If the Cardinals don't draft him, and again, you could wait till draft day. You could tell. You could put a, a deal in place with the 49ers and say, if. The Cardinals don't draft Kyler Murray number one. We're going to trade up with you and draft him there. And you can do that. Um, You just – you could talk to the Cardinals about trading up for number one. But if they're willing to make that trade with you, then you know you don't have to move up to number one. You know what I'm saying? Unless another team is trying to do so. So it's going to cost you five or six picks, two two of which are going to be in the first round. So, yep, here you go. Here's an idea of how you you can get 
from 10 to 2. This is what the Eagles traded to get from 13 to 2. So maybe you take out a second round pick or something. They traded two first round picks, a second round pick, a third round pick, a fourth round pick, a starting linebacker, and a starting corner in mm, order about that. in order to go from 13 to number 8 and then eventually to number 2. Oh, right. They had to make two trades. That's right. why they had to give up those players. Exactly. Exactly. I think they did that first trade, and then they waited like a month and then did that second trade. What if What if it's two firsts, a second, and Emmanuel Sanders to the 49ers who are looking for additional uh, wide receiver help? Two firsts. Yeah. Yeah. It's possible. It's going to be a haul. And that's why trading up for a quarterback is extremely risky, and you should only, only, only do it if, if he's your guy 100%. You're going to make the whole offense around him, et cetera, et cetera. What if it's two firsts, a second, and Chris? Yep. Because the quarterback. You I don't have a quarterback. I would it never matter. advocate for trading Chris. But if it's what you have to do to get a quarterback, you have to do it. It's and, what you have to do. And that's more – I mean, that's the second most enticing player – to realistically, for, for another team to acquire. Probably course, the number one based on his contract. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, of course, understanding that Bradley Chubb is not on the table. Exactly. What if you had to trade uh, Bradley Chubb and a third? That's it? Well, you're getting the number five. Uh, I guess it would be, how would you, what would you have to do to get to, to number one from number five? And let's well, say Bradley Chubb played his value up. I would say, you know, he, his value from the second that he was drafted has gotten higher. So what would Bradley Chubb? I'm saying he was picked at five last year. Let's say he's worth a number three overall pick because he played so well. Okay. What's it take to get from three to one? Two, for, two seconds. Okay. So Bradley Chubb in two seconds. Hmm. But then to you got to get to one. But then you got to get to three. It's true. No, what I'm saying is... He's already considered basically like you're at number three because okay. he played his value up from being picked at number five last year. Oh, so you got to get to five. So, oh, so right. from 10, it's like a first to get from 10 to five. And then you're saying Bradley Chubb is worth it. No, I'm saying Bradley Chubb is worth your picking at number three. Just straight up? Yep. Wow. So Bradley Chubb in two seconds? Yeah. Wow. I mean, don't you do that? In a heartbeat? I would. Yeah. You get your quarterback in, then you get to draft Bradley Chubb's replacement at 10. I don't think they would do it. Well, I don't know. I That's don't know. interesting. I think they would just start the talks by saying Bradley Chubb's not on the table, so they would never get to this point. Yeah. But what I'm saying is Bradley Chubb has already proven himself to be a, what would you call him, a top 10 edge rusher? Yeah, certainly. So anyone would take a top 10. If you could tell someone they're getting a top 10 edge rusher at number three, wouldn't they take that? Especially if they don't need a quarterback. Probably. So I think he's that's about what he's worth. Especially after putting up double-digit sacks in his first season in the league. By the way, there's no one on the Broncos that should be completely off the table. There's no one. No, everyone is on the table until you have a quarterback. Should be. Should be. And I, and I hope the Broncos approach it that way. I don't think that's how teams operate. Here's the thing is, players don't usually come into these talks. Right. And that's what makes it difficult is Von Miller wouldn't really factor in here because teams are thinking if they're picking at number three, they're saying we can probably get – we think at number three we can get a defensive player that will change our franchise, which is what Von Miller does. The only difference is this guy's going to cost us $5 million while Von Miller cost, would cost us twenty. Right. So it, it really mitigates his value a lot. All right, moving on here from Luca. 
Hey guys, what do you think John would say about the thought of Murray at the Ra- wait? What do you think John would say about the thought that if Murray at the Raiders pans out, the Broncos are doomed for the next 15 years? I strongly believe this is a, is a must must be a huge point in evaluating the next moves you make as an organization, and I don't think the franchise is seeing it this way. I personally think there's very little chance he will take Murray, considering Elway loves Locke. Uh, and that's been all the talk over the past few weeks, as always. Keep it up. Here's the thing, and I know we've mentioned it on this podcast a few times, but John Elway doesn't think that way. He doesn't play scared. He doesn't say, oh, no, but what What if the Raiders get Murray and then we have to go up against Patrick Mahomes and, and Kyler Murray the next 15 years? No, that that's playing scared. There may be some general managers in the league that do that. That's not John. That never will be John. But I do think it's important, just like just like we talk about uh, when we talk about how you approach the Broncos. What is a, if you're a defensive coordinator, what do you want the Broncos not to do? That's what John that John should think of that in, in a little way. Say, who do I not want to face for the next 15 years? If it's Drew Locke, he may be your guy. If it's Kyler Murray, well, then you should consider him at least if you weren't considering him before. And Ryan, I brought this up to you right before we started the pod today, and that's... I don't know if Patrick Mahomes is going to be the Patrick Mahomes we saw last year. Now, I know we certainly didn't think he was going to be who he was last year, but he's the type of, he plays the type of game that can catch the NFL off guard. And Kyler Murray plays the same game. Kyler Murray could come in and have tremendous success his rookie year. And I think Patrick Mahomes will take a step back this year. Now, is it 40 touchdowns? He's still the darn good quarterback. Is it 33 touchdowns? And he's still above average, certainly, but he's not the MVP. Oh, my gosh, we have to face this guy the next 15 years, Patrick Mahomes. He's the, okay, they have their Phillip Rivers type of quarterback. I wouldn't be shocked to see that next year. And then then he gets gradually better after that, after the league adjusts to him, and then he adjusts back to the league. But I wouldn't be shocked. I don't know if we're looking at another 50 touchdown performance or even 40. I haven't done the uh, the research here, and it would— it would take me a little bit too long to do it mid podcast, but I do know for a fact that he regressed in the second half of the season. Now regressed. We expected him to regress in the second half of the season. We also didn't expect him to be on pace for like 10,000 touchdowns in the first half of the season. (laughs) So I think you should take what he did in the last eight games of the season plus playoffs and prorate that over a 16 game season. And that's what I would expect from Patrick Mahomes next year. Um, I think you're right. He's not going to, he can't, he, people forget that he really had an unbelievable start to the season. What was it? 19 touchdowns before he threw an interception or something wild like that. Yep. Um, that was, that's what we were talking about where he was going to bust on the scene and do great. And then regress. We just thought like busting on the scene and doing great. And then regressing was going to be like nine touchdowns to three interceptions in the first four or five weeks. And then, you know, a regular season from there on out. The difference was he had, like, the best start to the season in NFL history, and then he came back a little bit. Uh Uh-oh, his last eight games of the regular season, 24 touchdowns, six picks. I'm saying he regresses from that. So that goes 40... 48 and 12. 12. (laughs) Maybe it's the last six games of the season. Yeah, let's hope so. But last six games of the season, you'd have 19 and 5. There we go, 38 and 10. Well, that's you have to add. You have to prorate it a little more. Oh yeah, yeah. So, oh man, 40. what was it? Nineteen and five. Yep. Over six games. Yeah. So, how many touchdowns is that a game? 
that is 3.2 touchdowns per game. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, about three. So, 16 times three is 48, right? 48. And then, hey, you're at least looking at 14 interceptions. All right. Well, so. he's throwing 48 touchdowns. <laughs> Sorry. That's what both our math came to it twice. That's what he's doing. And that's what I said to you before the podcast was I can see him regressing a little bit. I don't think the touchdown numbers are going to come down because he's not losing any weapons. And that offense is so catered towards throwing touchdowns. So I think his, his touchdown numbers are going to be up. I think his, or his touchdown numbers are going to be very high, like I said to you before the podcast. But his interception numbers will go up. And I think defenses will have a better – will do a better job containing him in the pocket. Just, just kind of like the Broncos did with Russell Wilson. If you can keep him in the pocket, he's still going to hurt you. But he's not going to be able to make that, you know, scrambling right sidearm 60 yards down the field to Tyreek Hill throw that breaks your back. Yeah, it, exactly. Next one coming in from Upstate Garbage Plate. He says, hey, guys, I was super stoked to read that Murray was 100% in on the NFL. Bloof. Can I say it right there, Yeah, Bloof. Bottom line up front. Garbage plates are far superior to in and out Wow. Regarding my name, garbage plates are actually the second best culinary creation Western New York has made behind Buffalo Wings. A classic garbage plate is a styrofoam container filled on the bottom with mac with mac salad and home fries. Then you put cheeseburger patties on top of those, cover the whole thing in a spicy meat sauce, then top that with onions, yellow mustard, pickles, and Frank's red hot sauce. There are other variations where you can change out the bottom layers, or instead, instead of burgers, you can use hot dogs, sausage, shaved steak, grilled cheese, chicken tenders, or a mix of any. It's an absolutely amazing meal after a long day at work and a long night at the bar. Garbage plates are by far my favorite fast food burger. That sounds incredible. It that sounds amazing. It sounds like everything you could ever want. How has that not spread across the country? I have maybe because of the name. It sounds like anything but garbage. <laughs> I mean, it's garbage for you, that's for sure. Here's what I'll say. Um, speaking of New York fast food, underrated in the fast food category, which I don't even know if it really fits in here. It's got to be maybe it's in its own category. The bodegas in uh new york which is basically just like a corner convenience store okay they sell these sandwiches called a chopped cheese which is sort of in the same vein as a philly cheesesteak without mm. like the cheesy sauce but you load that thing up with like peppers and jalapenos and all that stuff and you get one for probably like five bucks wow they're amazing wow man it's this food food talk again. It's getting me. No, every day, right around lunchtime, <laughs> we're just talking about so much food. He says, anyway, my question, when we draft Kyler Murray, what number should he wear? Uno. Yeah. I mean, come on. Just look at the pictures of him wearing one. That's a number. Yep. That is a winning number. I can't think of really anyone who's done it in the NFL. Who's the best quarterback to ever wear number one in the NFL? I don't even know if there no. is one. No. But I like that. Yeah, and and hey, I'm not the biggest guy either. I know those slim numbers fit well, and they they look good. They they look good on your figure, so that's what Kyler should do. Does anyone wear number one on the Broncos? It wasn't it. Uh, Obviously, Jason Elam. Yeah, I don't think so. No, because it can only go to kickers and quarterbacks. He should do that number one. And if not, it should be eleven. It's better than four, or five. I think you'd look good in five, three. Yeah. But I'm saying number one. 
Yeah, absolutely. Number one, he says, okay, my serious question with Kareem Hunt getting a second chance fairly soon after his infraction, do you guys see Chad Kelly getting a second chance with another team? Being from upstate New York, I have a soft spot for the Kelly family, and I'd like to see him get a second chance either as a backup for us or another team. Thanks as always. You guys are the best. Uh, yeah, I think he will get another chance. I think he will. Um, I think the legal stuff has to kind of clear, clear its way out. And once that's, that's over, he'll get a chance. There's a big difference between Chad Kelly and Kareem Hunt, Zach. What is that difference? One can play. One is proven. One is the best at his, one of the best at his position. Exactly. Unfortunately, highly unfortunately, Kareem Hunt could have done just about anything other than killing a person. And he would have gotten another chance in the NFL. Yep. Or killing dogs. I mean, even killing dogs. You know, Mike Vick got another chance. It's true. So, really, the only thing you can't get away with if you are a fantastic football player is killing someone, which is sad. It's truly a sad reality, but it's the truth. Yep. Um, And, you know, there's always going to be people who preach second chances and stuff like that. And um, I think there's a case to be made for that. But I also think the NFL has a, a bad reputation as to showing there's only one thing that matters as to whether you get a second chance. It's not everyone deserves a second chance. It's everyone who's really good at football deserves a second chance. And right. that seems wrong. Yeah, yeah. And, and Ryan, don't look up garbage plates online. It'll just make you hungry. Oh, okay? I thought you were going to say it doesn't look good. No, no. It, it, it looks just like what you would imagine. Just a delicious food all combined together. When you're <sighs> drunk. Oh, just Man. all that, just good food covered in hot sauce. That's what every other headline was like. Best drunk food. This garbage yeah. plate. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's got. I mean, the second you're drunk, you really stop caring about. Well, maybe not you, but for me, <laughs> I stop caring about food separation a, a lot. Mm. It's just like, how much of this can I get into my mouth at once? That's this looks so good. I didn't even think about the food separation. Wow. There. Yeah. 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 <laughs> wow. Well, last one. Before we go to break, and it'll kind of throw throw the throw the Kyler Murray talk off off kilter right now. Coming in from Mr. Freeze, he says, "Still not sold on Murray. I feel like everyone is jumping on his bandwagon because they're afraid of a repeat of last year being wrong about Baker. I know you guys weren't in that group. Call me old fashioned, but I still like seeing the six foot something quarterback standing in the pocket commanding the offense. I think Elway feels the same way. So even if Murray is there at ten, I don't see him going to Denver." Murray does throw a nice deep ball, and to me, that's the most exciting play there is. Someone will jump up to number one to get him. He throws a nice everything ball. Mm. That's my favorite thing about Kyler Murray. Every level of the field, he makes that throw. Deep deep uh, flag route, deep post, nine route, drag route, out route, in route. Mm. He throws it all on the money. Um the the bandwagon I don't I can't speak for others I know for a fact we're not bandwagon Kyler Murray because we're afraid of being wrong about Baker again because we were right about Baker 100 percent so uh, I can't speak for others maybe they are the reason I think people are jumping on the Kyler Murray bandwagon is because they're just realizing he's the best quarterback all right let's take our last break here and when we come back plenty more talk about food that's going to make you very hungry oh yeah and the Broncos <laughs> what's up guys Ryan Konigsberg here and I gotta tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, it's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. 
It wins Best Sports Bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward and anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, they've got great specials, and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, uh, the buffalo chicken wrap. You name it, they've got it. And the location is perfect. Just two blocks north of Coors Field, and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern. Rolling along here, final segment on the BSN Broncos podcast. Make sure you go and subscribe to BSN Denver using the promo code Broncos. Uh, like I said, over the weekend, we lost a little chunk of our lead. Yesterday, we kind of just we kind of just maintained it, right? We had a few, they had a few. We had a few, they had a few. Uh, it seems as if we have a hold on this thing, but that does not mean stop because they're kind of just hitting their stride here, right? They were really weak to start. They did well over the weekend. They kept the momentum going yesterday. We kind of just fended them off. It's like, you know, they were down uh, 21. They scored 14 over the weekend. Then we scored another 14. Then they scored another 14. So we have to keep the uh, we have to keep the the foot on the pedal. Let's end them. Let, let let's just put them to bed right now. Use that promo code Broncos to do that. All right, from Connor P here, going along with the questions. Fast food hot take: In and Out is only good in California. The ones in the Mountain West are just not that great. I work with a youth mu- uh, I work with a youth music group. That's kind of hard to, harder to say. Than <laughs> youth music group who insist that we eat in and out in Utah every time we take them down there for competitions, and I've gotten really tired of it pretty quickly. Give me five guys any day of the week. That said, in and out is a lot better when I have it while visiting in California. Seems their home franchises do something differently than their expansion franchises. Back to football. Really quick, if Connor P is right, then uh-oh for Colorado, since we're even further from California than Utah is. Be the furthest removed <laughs> one there is. Be the worst one. <laughs> Uh, back to football. If someone takes Kyler Murray before the Broncos get him, who's the next best choice for the Broncos' first pick? What is their biggest need after quarterback? Go Broncos and happy baseball spring training season. He's got the Rockies logo there. Mm. Uh, I'm with you 100%. Happy happy spring training. It's kind of crazy that all of the best players still aren't signed. Wild. Could you imagine if training camp opened and all the top names were still available? Like, training camp opens and Aaron <laughs> Rodgers and levy on bell no i'm trying to think of like a good uh, like a really good player with no bad history against them except for being dirty because bryce harper is aaron Rodgers. who's manny mm. machado wouldn't he be levy on i mean he has some baggage with him i guess he doesn't really people just want to top player at his position which isn't the most Im- most important position not the top player, a top player, just so you make sure I don't A know, top player. Not okay. anything Khalil conf- Mack. Sure. Aaron Rodgers and Khalil Mack <laughs> are on the free agent market as training camp has opened. Wild. It would never, ever, ever happen again. Love baseball. They've got a couple uh, issues with the system right now. Yes. Yeah, and this this is not good. It's a little broken. Is there collusion? I, I don't, I'm not tuned in, and, and maybe Connor P can help us tomorrow. Right. Is there collusion going on here? What's happening? I don't know. Yeah, our, our owner's saying only offer, don't offer more than $250 million, or don't offer 10 years, only offer seven. I mean, they've gotten themselves in a lot of trouble in the past in offering these stupid long contracts like Albert Pujols, right? It was like 10 years, a ridiculous amount of millions, and he wasn't even good when he got there, let alone for all 10 years. When those contracts were being signed, just, just last thing, it was so silly. You knew when you signed the guy, you were getting like four great years, 
three years where maybe they play, and literally three years where they won't be on your team and you're paying them ninety Probably million dollars. Probably retired. Yeah, wild. It is wild. I don't know. I don't understand how that's happening. Um, okay, as for if Murray's gone, who should the Broncos take? Does this assume Haskins is also gone, or is everyone on the board but Murray? Let's say everyone but Murray. Okay. The rankings are Murray, Haskins, Lock. I'd take all three. You think Haskins is above the Broncos' mind? Eh, mm, no. No, but he said who should they do? Who's the next best choice? Okay. So I would say Haskins is the next best choice. I would say the rankings are for sure right now lock number one on the Broncos board when it comes to quarterback, I think. There is still a chance, I believe, that Kyler Murray could jump him. I don't think Dwayne, Dwayne Haskins really can. I don't think so either, I, and I think it's similar to that. So if Locke's on the board, it's Locke, non-quarterback. The good thing about this Take is, pick, right? yeah, and, and here's the thing. You, you could go offensive lineman there. There may be the top offensive lineman available. You may be grabbing the second offensive lineman. I'd stay away from that. You can, you can take your pick along the defensive line. Ed Oliver could be there. That would be a fantastic pick at 10. Uh, you could go Devin White. You could go uh, Bush from Michigan. Greedy Williams. Greedy Williams. I mean, corner, inside DeAndre linebacker, Baker. linebacker, or, or, or defensive line. You're, you're good any of those What places. is their biggest need after quarterback? I have one in mind. I'm going to go cornerback yep, right now. that's what I would have said. Yep. It's because cornerback is essential into maximizing the value of your two most valuable players right now, and that is Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. Without coverage, those guys are useless, are useless in most cases unless you know you get lucky and one of those guys locks down out there. So if the Broncos don't get a quarterback in their first pick, which I really have a hard time seeing unless they trade a second-round pick for uh, Josh Rosen, who some people are out there saying that they don't think Josh Rosen will command a first which changes the game entirely. If they traded a second-round pick for Josh Rosen and then drafted you know, Greedy Williams at 10 or DeAndre Baker or one of these corners, that would feel like a huge win. It really would. Still take Kyler Murray, but that would feel like a huge win. So to me, corner is the second most important need. I think they can fill that in free agency, though, with Bryce Callahan, which would change their draft uh, strategy entirely. And then if they do that, and let's say they cut Derek Wolf, don't re-sign Domita Petko, uh, then defensive line becomes that priority. So, yeah, a lot of moving parts here, and we will certainly be breaking it down as things unfold. Next one coming in from uh, Chilango Bronco. Did I get that right? You sure did. He says, hey, guys, glad to hear the podcast back to regular schedule. First things first, five guys is not trash. Even I or even I who live outside the U.S. knows this. I also like in and out Sorry, Ryan. Yeah, I don't think we disagree with you about five guys at all. No, I don't think anyone. Did anyone say five guys was trash? Didn't someone say that yesterday? I think so. I think we had one. Ridiculous. <laughs> A lone wolf uh, out there. And you don't have to apologize. If I had something against everyone who liked In-N-Out, <laughs> I wouldn't have very many friends. <laughs> In terms of free agency, there are some names that really excite me and still not sure uh, if they will be available. What are your thoughts on Grady Jarrett and C.J. Mosley? They would be great additions to Vic Fangio's defense. Uh on the other important off-season topic, fast food ratings, how do you rate Mexican fasto food places? Uh, if you say Taco Bell is the truth, I'm going to really, really be disappointed. <laughs> okay, well, here's the thing. First of all, Taco Bell is the absolute goddamn truth. Second of all, I don't really... Is that a... Like, 
I, I would understand if your take is that it's not Mexican food, which is fine. You know, a lot of people who believe in, you know, traditional Mexican food say Taco Bell ain't it. That's fine. You just can't say it doesn't taste good because it tastes amazing. Yeah. Um, the uh, What are the other options? You'll, you'll have to present them to me because in Colorado. I'm thinking Del Taco. Right. Del Taco is the only other one. They actually have a hot sauce, which is better than any of the ones they have at Taco Bell. Mm. But that's about all they've got. It's like Del Inferno or something. <laughs> um, because in Colorado, there aren't really many other options. Unless you're counting like Santiago's and all those places on Federal, right. which are clearly better than Del Taco or Taco Bell. Uh, but other than that, like in, in Arizona, there's a place called Filiberto's, <laughs> which is a fast food Mexican place. That is way better than Taco Bell or Del Taco, but we don't have those options here. Yeah. No, I, I think it's Taco Bell. Like, it is Del Taco around the nation? I don't know. Yeah, it is. Okay. And then there's, like, Taco John's. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's they're just in class of their own, right? Yeah, Taco Bell is, <laughs> is way better than any of those. But uh, I, I'm, curious to see, I'm curious to see if you could present us with some other options um, because – in, in Colorado, it's pretty slim, which is weird because there's a lot of great Mexican food in Colorado. Just, mm-hmm. I guess, not great Mexican fast food. Right. Um, did we answer? Oh, C.J. Mosley or Grady Jarrett? I would love C.J. Mosley. Yeah, that would be huge. I mean, it, it makes sense, but does it make too much sense? Does, I, does he want to come here? Does he want to be, be part of a two-year plan? Does C.J. Mosley want to be coached by the best defensive coordinator in the NFL? Mm. That, that's interesting. According to Wade Phillips, he's the best defensive coordinator. Yeah, and he knows about. what he's talking about. Uh, an offensive name to throw out there, Trent Brown. Now, I don't know. I was going to say I don't know why New England would let him go, but that's what New England does. 6'8", 380 pounds. He was a backup uh, for a little bit with the San Francisco 49ers. Tons of talent. They traded him last year. The Broncos were in talks to trade for him. Those broke off. He went to New England, had a great year with New England. He's probably going to cost you some money, but, man, if you can slide him in for a deal because he only had one year, that would be a very enticing move, uh, And w- whichever side you put him on. Sorry, there's Kyler Murray highlights on the TV. <laughs> <laughs> I lost my train of thought. But, yeah, Trent Brown, for sure. Um, he had the uh, unique chance to work with Dante Scarnecchia this year. It made him way better. Then he comes and works with Mike Munchak. That's only going to make him even better. Yeah. Uh, so I would be all about that if that was an option. All right, next one from Bronco Duck. He says, I, know, I don't know which, worse, which take is worse, saying in and out is overrated or saying that Aaron Rodgers isn't an elite quarterback. <laughs> I know which one is worse. Both takes are erroneous. Are you making these clearly inflammatory comments as a cry for attention? If so, I'm here for you. That was the main reason for my comment. However, I totally agree the Broncos need to go all in on Murray. Highest individual ceiling of any quarterback coming out for sure. I'm excited to see what happens. And Ryan, you were correct on the pronunciation of pasty. Uh, mm. A long E sound at the end. We had them growing up in Montana. Man, I love how this has just d- devolved into a food podcast here. Especially in the offseason, it's certainly a sub a subtopic of the podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Last year we had the whole like street hot dog conversation. Yep. yep. The in and out one never seems to die. No. No, it, it's not going anywhere either. Maybe we'll have the is a hot dog a sandwich debate <laughs> at some point. <laughs> so played out. Okay, next one from Run Phil Run. 
Hey, Zach and Ryan, I have one quick question about a problem with the coaching staff that I believe is being slightly overlooked. With Scangarello coming in as O coordinator, I believe he would prefer to run a zone blocking scheme similar to his mentor Shanahan and Kubiak. However, after watching Andre's film room, I learned a lot about our O-line coach, Mike Munchak, and his philosophy of coaching a power run scheme. I know you need different types of linemen to run the two different types of offensive schemes. Am I being naive here with my fear that there may be a disconnect between O-coordinator and O-line coach? Just wanted to know your guys' thoughts on this topic. Thanks, and keep up the good work. Yeah, and I was concerned about this, too, right when they hired Mike Munchak. And I'm not going to lie, I can't remember if it was Munchak that had, like, four solid years where he did the zone blocking scheme. Yeah, I, th- I think it was that uh, and had success when, when he did that. So I'm not concerned about that. Mike Munchak is such a good coach. He can adapt. Uh, and if Mike Munchak says, no, we need to do this type of, of blocking scheme for these players that you have right now, I do think that Scangarello will listen and they'll do that. Yeah, I think they're just going to do whatever is best. Whatever's but I think they're gonna have them run both, honestly. Yeah. Um you 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 can get away with it. You can't go full zone all the time with power uh with power players. You can't go full power all the time with zone players. It won't work. But if you have versatile players, you can mix in a bit of both. And Mike Munchek has coached the zone scheme. He's just a hell of a coach. He can coach whatever he wants, uh whatever way you want. So if Skangarello says, Hey, we're going full zone, I think Mike Munchek will be fine with that and he'll figure it out. Next one coming in from Carpaccio Chris. He says, I feel like even though Drew Locke has some potential, clearly Kyler Murray has even more potential and would therefore make Locke the quote-unquote safe pick. I'm with you guys, Zach and Ryan. Swing for the fences. Go big or go home. Murray would bring so much excitement to Mile High, I can't even imagine. A Lindsay and Murray combination? Electrifying. On to my next point. I read something along the lines of trading Emmanuel Sanders and a pick for San Francisco's second overall pick. How likely a scenario could you see this being with our good old buddy John Lynch? Sanders is a great safety net for a team in the past game, but this trade wouldn't bother me at all. Of course, for the right guy at number two. And he adds, assuming that San Francisco can't land Antonio Brown. Man, I love this. Um, First of all, I know that you're thinking, well, if you're going to draft a quarterback, you need Emmanuel Sanders. Well, guess what? Emmanuel Sanders is on an expiring contract. So you'd only be getting him for one year. Um, Unless you wanted to re-sign him, which you certainly could. But again, 32 by the time he's signing that contract. What's replaceable? What's more replaceable, Zach? Quarterbacks or wide receivers? Mm, Wide receivers. So you can get your Emmanuel Sanders. In fact, you could probably get your Emmanuel Sanders in the second round of this year's draft if you really want to. Um, you cannot get your Kyler Murray in the second round of any draft ever, or Drew Locke for that matter. So eh, you might be able to get a Drew Locke in the second round, a, t- a, a similar type player. But again, quarterbacks drafted in the first round have significantly more, and quarterbacks drafted in the top 10 have significantly more success, obviously, because they're significantly more talented. So you would trade, as we mentioned, any player to get the right quarterback. What do you think about drafting this guy that they're showing on the screen? Yeah, I would draft John Elliott again. <laughs> you, could, you have a chance to draft the next guy they showed, Russell Wilson, <laughs> yep. this year. He's just he, – you know what? Kyler Murray is less than a full inch shorter than Russell Wilson. Hmm. Even if he comes in at what Oklahoma said they measured him at. Because they list him at 5'10". There was a bunch of questions about whether that was real. Their head athletic trainer, whoever does this stuff, says the exact measurement we measured him at was 5'9 and 7 eighths. Um the exact measurement of Russell Wilson at the combine was five ten and five eighths. 
Mm. Sorry. Yeah, five ten and five eighths. So he is only he's less than a full inch smaller than him. Now he is uh, a lot less thick, I guess is the word <laughs> I'll use. Um, but he can still bulk up a little bit and, and be fine. He's not. He doesn't have the same build as Russell Wilson. That's for sure. But again, height doesn't concern me one bit. We'll see what he officially weighs in at when he's not being weighed by his home school of Oklahoma. We'll see. We'll see. And Carpaccio Chris. I think well I think he was being honest when he said he he measured in at five nine and right. Five nine and seven eighths. And we we listed him at at five ten. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'm not saying I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm just saying Definitely, Do you think we'll he should see. be like hanging upside down from a, like? A, <laughs> I think he probably should. Because <laughs> like, if he could get over five ten, which is only, oh, yeah. uh, according to me, a fourth of an inch. Yep. That makes a big difference. Yeah, man, you got to pull out all the tricks when it comes combine season. And Carpaccio, Chris, uh, let me know what else they had going along with Emmanuel Sanders in that trade, because I've seen some some kooky mock draft trade scenarios out there. I mean, I saw something where the Giants trade with the Jets to go from six to three, and they gave up number six overall and a fourth-round pick. And I'm going, what else is included in this? They must have just forgot. No, they thought that that was going to make the deal. No, don't forget, the Colts did that deal with the Giants. Or no, the Jets made the deal with the Colts last year, going from six to three, the exact same trade. It cost them number six overall and three second-round picks. So obviously this mock draft was so far off. So I, I want to see how close the, this mock draft is and, and just how valuable they think Emmanuel Sanders is. Because, Ryan, you laid it out. He has one year left on his contract. It's not like he's on the cheap. He's going to cost you over $10 million. And he's coming off an, an injury. I think Emmanuel Sanders is a throw-in on a trade deal. I don't think he really turns the tides any which way. Yeah, I think it would be a one, a two, and a manual. I don't think it's enough to go from one to or ten to two. Hmm. Probably a one, two twos in a manual. Be two two ones for sure. Two. That's sorry. That's what I meant. Two ones, okay. a two, and a manual. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I don't. I think it's just going to be a load of picks. Yeah. Just stack them up. Yep. Whatever they want. Two Started, ones, two twos. I'd say we're give, we'll give you two first-round picks. You name your price after that. <laughs> yep. You want two twos, two threes, two fours, two fives, two sixes? <laughs> sure, have it. Um, all right, from Shaggy McLovin the third, he says, Hey, guys, love to see that you're back up and running. I deliver pizzas as a second job, and your podcast, podcasts make the shifts fly by. Now on to my question. There's a lot of talk about free agents in the draft, but I haven't heard anything about franchise tags. Do you think Paradis or any of the other guys could be considered if a deal can't be worked out right away? Real quick, I used to deliver Chinese food as a as a mm. little side job, which was probably my favorite job of my entire life other than the one I have right now <laughs> because I just loved riding, riding around and listening to music. Yeah. If podcasts existed back then, mm. man, my hours would have skyrocketed. <laughs> Especially when I hadn't listened to every episode of Reply All. Oh, I'd man. Just be, I'd just be like, oh, new episode? Okay, I'll drive for another hour. <laughs> so the, if you're young, looking for a job, get a delivery job and, and line up some good podcasts. I, th- I feel like you'll be the happiest person in the world. You'll, you'll also be rich, apparently. You'll just never leave your job. I'm telling you. You're set. All right. Uh, Paradis or any other guys on the franchise tag? Could you see it? So here's the thing about the center franchise tag, it would cost you about $9.5 million. 
We're talking about Matt Paradis potentially getting anywhere from nine to eleven million dollars on a five-year deal. So, and as I reported in a story last week, according to Connor McGovern, Matt Paradis is looking to match the biggest deal of all time for a center with more guaranteed money, which was eleven point five mil a year and twenty-five mil guaranteed. So you're talking. 11.5 mil a year and 30 mil guaranteed. I for sure would sign him up on the franchise tag. I haven't even thought about this, so thanks for bringing it up. Why would you not? Yeah, most of the positions, the franchise tag kind of hoses you, and that's the, the reason for it. If you want to make that, put that control on a player, then you're going to pay the price. Center's not one of those positions, one of the rare positions where it doesn't kill you. So, yeah, you do that. Absolutely you do it, because then you see how he comes back from injury. You see if Connor McGovern can be that replacement. You see if Mike Munchak believes he can find another center out there. You see if Sam Jones can be that guy, too. Right. And then you realize if you have to bite the bullet on that huge contract, because do you want to pay a center that big of money? This would be so rough for Matt Paradis, because people don't remember this. His first year in the league, he all reports from training camp was that he was the best center. But John Fox wanted to play Manny Ramirez because he was the more experienced guy. So he stashed Paradis on the practice squad for the whole season. He didn't get a vested season. Mm. So he's already been in the NFL for five years before he's hitting his contract. And then you're going to go throw the franchise tag on him. So he's going to be six years into his NFL career before he gets paid. And that's going to hurt his payday. that would suck for him, but it's the right thing to do for the Broncos. Yeah, it is the right thing to do for the Broncos. And in terms of someone else like Shaq Barrett, no. The franchise tag price is way too high for that. Yeah, uh, any of the money positions, you don't franchise tag a guy unless he's legitimately a franchise player. Yep. So, man, this makes so much sense. I feel really bad for Matt. (laughs) As bad as you can feel for a guy that's going to get $9.5 guaranteed. Right, right. I I just mean... In terms of the way the NFL goes, yeah. he would be completely hosed yeah. to be six years into his career at a position that gets worn down pretty quick yep. before he gets paid. Yep. That means a team that's going to pay him is going to sign him to a contract that's going to put him into his 10th year in the league. I don't believe the Broncos signed him to to the largest center deal ever. Do you? Nope. Yeah. I wouldn't Someone so. probably will, though, oh, if yeah. they don't tag him. Certainly. All right. Last question here comes in from Ryan Clayman, a very big OG. Uh, He says, uh, hey, BSN family, just caught up with all of the pods and wanted to chime in uh, on the Murray topic. I was not sold on his commitment to football. I was afraid that Denver would draft him. He would get hit once and say that it's not for him. Now that he says he's 100% committed to football, I would not mind if Denver drafted him. I also want everyone that is not subscribed to do it now. Why are you waiting? This deal is awesome. Thanks for the offseason coverage, RC. You're You're the MVP, RC. Thank you for all the support. And everyone, listen to him. Listen to him. Use that promo code BRONCOS to help us win this. According to Ryan Clayman, you win as well. Let's do it. Promo code BRONCOS. Don't slow up. Only get better. Only get faster. Only get stronger. You sound like you're hyping up Kyler Murray or something. I think I've already done enough of uh, hyping up Kyler Murray there, Zach. But speaking of hyping up, i got to tell you about our friends over at Total Beverage who are all meat, no hype, or all, all liquid, all, no hype. Uh, what if I told you you could order your liquor on a mobile app and have it delivered right to you on the same day and, and not lose money, Zach, 
save money while you're doing it. Well, that's exactly what I'm telling you. Total Beverage delivers to most of the metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie, and they have the lowest prices in the state. Plus, they're locally owned and operated, so you're helping out the local guy. And we know, because you rep with us, that you love the local guy. For a limited time, Total Beverage is offering $10 off your purchase of $50 or more on their website and on their app when you use the promo code BSN10. Use the promo code BSN10 to save $10 off your purchase of $50 or more for all of your parties and have it delivered directly to your door. That's going to do it for us today, guys, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. It's getting-